are listening to Vantage Point Podcast, dedicated to giving godly perspective to everyday living. Let's get into this week's episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Vantage Point Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm so glad you decided to tune in this week. If it's your first time checking us out, thank you so much. This is a weekly podcast focus on providing godly perspective for everyday living. And if you've been with us before, welcome back. So appreciate your support. I encourage everyone to not only listen, but make sure you subscribe and stay tuned and share. Um, Whether it's this episode or another one, just basically just make sure you share. Uh, That's a big driver of this show. Um, I made an announcement earlier this week on social media, but wanted to also celebrate here. Uh, This podcast has not only... Um, been an impact in my life, but it's starting to impact other people. And we see that we just reached over 10,000 downloads this past week and have now been heard in over 30 nations. And so definitely thank you for those that are listening, wherever you hear this at, whether you're in Spain or uh, Germany or, or India or wherever you are in the U.S. Thank you so much, man. Email us this is vantagepoint at gmail.com and let me know where you are and and how this uh, podcast continues to help you and bless you and then just make sure you share and so last week we started a brand new series called mosaic where we were focused on how god uses all of our pieces to create his masterpiece and wow um we all have a moment right sometimes more than once that we ask god can he really use us and last week we learned that god not only can use us but we're worthy to be used um we also learned that our brokenness um if we remove that from our lives or try to it short changes our testimony and we want to include all of us in our testimony and so if you haven't heard week one of mosaic definitely go back and check that out today we're going to go into week two and as i said last week this episode we're going to focus on a scripture that uh the apostle paul uh had wrote back in second corinthians and he's he's explaining um a thorn in his flesh right and paul doesn't specifically explain what the thorn is we only know that he asked god to remove it three times and that he had it right and I read that some one person describes this as like the most famous affliction in history, but yet we have no idea what it was. And many people over time have, have tried to figure out and explain what Paul meant based on context and other things. Some thought it was a physical ailment. Some thought it was some type of temptation or even an actual person or or even from the devil, because he mentions the, um, a messenger of Satan in the text. And, and really, whatever the thorn is, it definitely was something that bothered him. And I want to read the main text first, but then backtrack and really help us unpack this scripture. And, and rather than spend a bunch of energy trying to figure out specifically what Paul's thorn was. I want to talk about the why behind the thorn, the why behind the weakness, because the truth is uh, we all have a thorn and it isn't the same thing. Even after salvation, which we talked about that last week, um, even after allowing um, and and God to, to just transform us and even following him, there are things we still deal with. And we probably ask the question that, Hey God, did you forget something? Like, did you forget to take something with you when I gave you my life and and I gave these pieces to you? I shouldn't be dealing with these anymore. Right. And, And I feel like we've gotten it wrong in the belief that God magically takes away our bad piece. And there's so much more 
in him through our weakness than we realize. So let's dig into it. And we're going to read from 2 Corinthians 1 and 10. I must go on boasting, although there is nothing more to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was an in-body or out-of-body experience, I don't know. Only God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows, and was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weakness. Even if I should choose to boast, I will not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And before we unpack this scripture and get into our point, I want to give some context into where we find Paul because there's a little more than meets the eye when it comes to this often talked about scripture. And we see Paul talking about the thorn in his flesh in verse seven. But if we go back to verse five, he says something interesting. He says, but I will not boast about myself except my weakness. Paul is Paul is saying that only that the only thing he will boast about is his weakness, right? And and that's such an interesting thing to say because who honestly boasts about their weakness? This this actually isn't the first time he says it or the second time. If we go back to 2 Corinthians 11, Paul is speaking about who he calls these super apostles to the church of Corinth. In verse 22 through 29, he outlines this kind of pound for pound breakdown of them versus him. And he ultimately outlines that while they have some similarities, it's through his suffering that he stands apart from them. And he also adds verse 28, which says, then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Then in verse 30, he says, if I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. And this leads all the way back to our main text and Paul reiterating this only idea, this idea of only boasting about his weakness. So why weakness, right? There could be so much more to boast about. There's so much more we can say about our relationship and journey with God and, 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 but yet we want to spend our time talking about weakness. Paul is telling us to spend our time talking about our weakness, even boasting about it. And the truth is there's something about our weakness that's more attractive than our strength. Weakness simply means lacking strength or somehow deficient in something. And if you think about, like if you needed something to be moved, but you didn't have the strength for it, it means you lacked strength to accomplish the task. There's a reason that Paul reaches this conclusion about boasting and weakness. And I want you to write this down. And, and for this episode, it's the weakness variable. That's the title. And point one, your weakness 
plus his hand equals pierced on purpose. And, and there's an explanation. There's a reason why we still have our thorns, a reason we still deal with things like anger, loneliness, temptation, and much more. It's a purpose filled piercing and, and salvation doesn't mean a subtraction of our pieces, our bad pieces. It's a covering of those pieces by God. And here, here's something we can relate to because Paul um, talks about his thorns weakening him in the same way um, that we may feel that ours do. And, and these pieces aren't romantic, right? They're not, they're not this um, thing we love to talk about. They're not this thing that we're attracted to, um, but, they, but they actually humble us and sometimes not in the best ways. And, and, and there, there are these pieces um, that, that we plead to God with to take away, just like Paul did. But, but in those pieces, um, we have to hold on to them because if they were somehow not bad pieces, um, if they didn't, um, enhance our reputation, if they, if they did that, there would be no guarding, um, us from pride because we would be so filled up with all goodness that we would just talk about that all day. Uh, and I really feel like that's where, when you think about what Paul is asking God to do, take these things away from me, from him, God answers him. Um, with a no, because without those pieces, he would never experience God in the fullness of God, right? Our pieces are the catalyst to our strength because it connects us to God. They connect us to God. And, and without them, we we literally re would rely on our own strength, our own ideas, our own thoughts, and we miss experiencing God in the way that he intended us to experience him. And, and despite that, um, but despite us not knowing what the specific thorn is for Paul, it does leave that open for discussion. But just like we talked about earlier, these thorns all look different and pierce different for us. But the one thing is certain that we all have them. And we know that our weakness with God's hands means that we're pierced on purpose. I posted an illustration earlier this week on my Instagram with a glass vase filled with pieces of marbled rock and the vase represented us in Christ, our, us created in his image with all of our pieces. And then I took the vase that represented God and poured the white sand into the white, into the rock filled vase. And, and this represents what happens when we give our life to God and he covers all of us. But notice I never removed any of the pieces. I left all the pieces, good, bad, and ugly, in the vase. And as you, as the sand filled to the bottom, you could start to see there were less and less rocks you could see, but there were still some that poked out of the side or even on top that might have looked like they were covered or even dusted a little bit, but yet they were still resting in the sand, right? And, and there's a definite difference in the vase before the sand and after the sand. And just like us, there's a definite difference in us before Christ and then with Christ. And, and, and you know, but noticing that those pieces um, were still kind of being seen um, brought me to this part two of this episode. And God didn't remove those pieces. He gave us the grace and power in him to help us through our weakness and, and our weakness keeps us humble and dependent on him it keeps us in the mindset that we're not the one holding ourselves up and, and there's two other variables that, that drive out point two and three that um in verse nine we see and, and and it's what the word of god says it says my grace is sufficient for you 
and my power is made in perfect is made perfect in weakness. And, and so for point two, I want you to write this formula down. Your weakness plus his strength equals perfect power and principles of God's kingdoms are paradoxes. And all that means is something that contradict common sense, but is ultimately found to be true. And when Paul pleads with God to remove his, his pain, his thorn, the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness and God's strength is made perfect in weakness because that's where human strength lacks. Um, and that's where God's power is demonstrated best. And God denying Paul's request to take that away turns into a blessing for a few reasons. First, his thorns keep him humble from seeing himself as better than everyone. And then second, even with his revelations and journeys with God, he's not perfect. And third, the thorn keeps God keeps Paul, excuse me, close to God in trust and confidence. And after these words from God, Paul goes on in verse 10 and says, this is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in hardship, in insults and persecution and difficulties for when I am weak, then I am strong. He stops the request to take away the thorn. And now he only boasts about the thorn. Um, and we could say he, he enjoys that because they allow the power of God to work through him. And this is why our weakness has to be a part of the equation. They serve us just like Paul. The thing or things you, you constantly struggle with or, or um, when they're coupled with God's strength is made perfect. And I know for me, um, one of the things I've, I've struggled with um, over time, even younger, um, is anger. And, and that's been something I, I've dealt with as a kid. Um, and, and for the most part, I'm, I'm rarely angry as an adult. And, and I know the reason that is, is, is not because I choose not to be angry because I'm an adult or I've outgrown it. It's simply that I choose to allow God to be in my anger. And so when those moments come up and I literally just had one last week um, where I feel that might happen, um, I immediately turn to God and pray for his strength. I don't pray for him to take the anger away. I don't pray for him to to do anything other than show me his strength, because the reality is we can keep our thorns and our pieces in check for so long. I, I, I got good. I got pretty good at keeping the anger in check. Um, but at some point I'm going to need God's strength to help me with that. And, and that's where we become strong in weakness because of God. And I love this quote. It says the grace and power of God interlock with human lives at the point of mortal weakness, not godly weakness, but mortal weakness. So when we connect the power and grace of God with our mortal weakness, our things that we deal with on a day to day, there is a there's an interlock that happens that can't be broken. And, and, and I'll close point number two with this. It says the, uh, the more aware we are of our weakness, the more opportunities God has to reveal his power through us. And I love what it says in Second Corinthians four and seven. It says we have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing the best treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. And the base of this point is that God's strength is made perfect in weakness when we put our faith and trust in him. And I love Psalm 73 verse 26. It says, my flesh and my heart may fail, 
but God is my strength. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And, and that leads me to point three and that third piece um, of why our weakness, that variable, why it's so key. And that's your weakness plus his grace equals sufficiency. And, and, and we mentioned it earlier that Paul listed some things when he was comparing himself to the super apostles. And even though he had the evidence to boast on himself and achievements and what he's been through, he chose to boast in Christ. And, and in that, he gives us an example that people, you know, we shouldn't find our identity in personal achievements because God's grace is sufficient. And grace means giving to someone what they do not deserve. And God shows us grace in giving us life, providing for us, and strengthening us throughout our lives. And God reminds Paul that the strength in his ministry and life wasn't based on his abilities or experiences or his name. It wasn't due uh, to the lack of hard times because we knew Paul certainly had hard times. All of this was based on the fact that God's grace in Paul's life was present and sufficient. Paul writes two-thirds of the New Testament because of God's grace and 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 that was sufficient for him and we see that in point two we talked about God's strength but the reason for that strength is because of God's grace and I love this Philip Yancey quote it says grace like water flows to the lowest part and I just want you to just think about that grace flows to the lowest part part, our lowest things, our weakest moments, right? And, and to really understand grace, we need to think about who we were before Christ and who we become with him. And, and we talked about this last week. And even though we were created in the image of God, we were born into sin, undeserving of life. But then God extends his favor through grace. Ephesians 2, 8 says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And grace gives us victory over over sin. James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And, and one more, Ephesians 4, 7 says, but grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And that word gifts is, is repeated several times in the Bible when talking about grace. And a few things we know when it comes to a gift is a gift is something given to us that there's nothing owed in return. There's no cost to receiving the gift. The cost is on the giver, right? Salvation is a gift that costs us nothing, but the price to God was his son, Jesus Christ on the cross. And third, once a gift has been given, the ownership is transferred. And so God's grace is given to us, and that's something we have forever. And then finally, something the Bible teaches about grace, and, and I really want you to hold on to this, is that grace is unmerited, which means there's no assigned achievements, there's no amount of good deeds, there's no amount of anything we can do to receive grace. And Romans 5, 8, through 10 says, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Even in our weakness, even with our broken pieces, God freely gives us grace. And another Philip Yancey quote says this, grace does not depend on what we have done for God, but rather what God has done for us. And people ask what they must do to get to heaven. And most reply, be good. 
But Jesus contradicts that answer. All we must do is cry help. And grace doesn't stop at salvation. Grace is shown to us day after day for the rest of our lives, constantly working in us. And Paul understood this, which is why he can boast gladly about his weakness, because he knows that God's grace was active in his life. And 1 Corinthians 15 and 10 says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. And verse and Second Corinthians nine fifteen says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And I just take a moment to just thank God for the gift of grace. Thank God for that unmerited, undeserved gift that he has given all of us. And as we close out this episode, I want you to remember that God's grace in your life provides his strength and confirms his hand on your life. And I want you to leave, I want to leave you with this question. Do you need help with your weakness? Because your weakness isn't something to be ashamed of. It isn't something you need to hide from. It's not nothing you need to hide from other people. Your weakness is the best recipe to God. God knows your weakness. He knows you. He knows exactly what you need to operate in purpose coupled with your weakness, not sub, not substituting it out, but coupled to it. And everybody has a thorn. We've said that throughout this episode, but not everyone has a God in the midst of their thorn. And yes, that thorn is painful and annoying, but I promise you there is a redemptive pain that surpasses the pain. And his name is Jesus. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Thank you that your strength and grace are available to me right now. Father, fill me up with your Holy Spirit. Fill me up with your grace. Make your strength perfect in my weakness. I know that I am weak in every area. But your spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. So raise me up, Lord. Fill me with your strength. Order my steps. Help me stay within your flow today and tomorrow. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And I thank y'all again so much as always for just being with us and I want to help. Again, I got I gave the email earlier. This is vantagepoint at gmail.com. Let us walk with you. Let us help you. Let us encourage you. And I want to leave you with a little bit more because there's so much more to say about grace. But I want to direct you to a ministry that I've been a part of for almost 10 years now, and it's a church here in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Transformation Church, and I want you to go watch a series or listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, whichever platform you have, and I want you to go search Transformation Church, Grace Like a Flood, and I'm telling you this series will help you get a deeper understanding of the amazing gift that God has given you called grace and it's taught by my pastor pastor michael todd and i'm telling you you don't want to miss it you want to get this understanding of grace because it's going to help you unlock things in your life and when i tell you this series is life changing you definitely want to go check it out and don't forget to connect with me um, instagram i am nick ruffin or at this is vantage point and i want you to tune in next week Uh, As we get into week three of Mosaic and we continue to unpack 
how God creates his masterpiece. And remember to keep seeking perspective for daily living through the lens of God. Talk to you next week.